Well, if you've been here for a few weeks, you know that we have begun several weeks ago this new expository series in the book of 1 John, not to be confused with the Gospel of John that he wrote, and probably prior to this book, this book would have come afterwards, and I think there are many clues for that, but the book of 1 John, and one of the big concerns, as you can see from the subtitle, that you may know, John is very eager, very anxious to have his little children, that's the way he referred to fellow believers, that he had mentored and pastored and taught about Jesus and about the gospel. He was concerned that they would know certain things, not just kind of have a, a wish and a hope or a, a some degree of, of the certainty, but that they might know assuredly whether they are indeed in the Lord and whether they will share eternity with him and where that they would know that nothing in this world can separate them from his love. That's obviously one of the themes today and in other parts of the book throughout in many places, the theme of love. So let's begin our scripture reading today in the second chapter of 1 John, beginning at verse 7 through verse 11. Remind you, this is the word of the living God. Hear it with careful attention. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The word of the Lord. Let's ask his blessing upon it. Father, once again, we ask that for the help of the Holy Spirit, whom you have sent to illumine and bring to light, Lord, your word to our darkened and foolish hearts. Father, we easily forget truth. We are not wise to understand. But Father, may you reveal to us today more of what it means to live in the light and to walk in the light and more to have more the power of your life and your light to lighten our way. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, many of you, if you're noting the screen likely recognize my message title, All You Need Is Love, as 
a title of a song made famous by none other than the Beatles. Correct. You know how those lyrics went? Love, 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 love. love. Okay, keep, yeah, three times. All you need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love. Love is all you need. So they sang. Now the Apostle John, by the way, those today, the concept of love has devolved quite a bit into many people thinking that it's just a feeling, it's just a kind of goodwill gesture. It's sort of like something, and obviously the Beatles thought if you had enough of love, whatever that was and is, as they thought of it, it's kind of like pixie dust. You can just sprinkle it and throw it out all over all the problems of the world and somehow they'll just magically go away. Well, of course, uh, that would be a very foolish notion to think that that's all you needed to go around is just talk about love and sing about love and say you love. John is interested in more than that. He's interested not what we say, but what we do when it comes to love, to loving God and to loving one another. The Apostle John is concerned with the life of love. He's concerned about your love life and mine. But I think the apostle had something a little more substantial and less syrupy in mind when he wrote this passage that we read just a few moments ago. But the emphasis in this passage is on love and particularly love for one another. Love for each other as members of the body of Christ. Now, if you recall last week in verses 3 through 6, leading up to this, the concern was love for God. Today, in this passage, it touches upon the second of the greatest commandment. That's the first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, this goes to the second, loving your neighbor as yourself. The emphasis here is on love for others or for one another. This love for God and one another is another major theme in the book of John. Now, our passage divides very simply, very easily this morning into two sections. So all you three-pointers out there, I'm sorry. Uh, it's going to be just two today. Here they are. The command and the contrast. John is going to talk about a very important command, and then he's going to make a very vivid and important contrast in what he's saying. Let's look at the commandment or the command first. That's in verses 7 and 8. Listen again. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you've heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, John seems to be speaking out of both sides of his mouth, doesn't he? 
Did you hear that? He said, it's, it's, it's a new commandment. I mean, it's an old commandment. It's not new. And then he says, but it is new. So which is it? John, is it old or is it new? The answer is yes. Yes, it is. It's in one sense old, and it's in another sense new. How so? Well, the command is to love. He doesn't say that right there, but it becomes clear in verse 10 that he's talking about the command to love, to love one another. But the command goes back to the beginning, he says, that you've known from the beginning. Now, the beginning of what is the question that is begged? Well, I believe in context, it's likely the command of Jesus recorded in John 13, 34, 35 that they would have heard and learned about at the very beginning of their Christian lives, but it goes back to the beginning of the gospel becoming reality, of Jesus' life and ministry, of his living a perfect life and ultimately dying an atoning death for our sins. He's the one that said, I want my children to love one another. Brothers and sisters, I want you to love one another. That's the command. It reads like this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So it is from the beginning. It's old. It's been around. Matter of fact, it's so old that its ancient roots even go back into the Old Testament to the book of Leviticus, which says this, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus quoted that when he gave the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So, at the same time, it's also, though, not just old, but it is, John says in verse 8, something new. Something about it is new. It takes on a new flavor, a new character with the coming of Jesus Christ and what he did and what he accomplished while he was here on planet Earth. You see, in him... This old commandment that's been around that we're supposed to be fulfilling takes on and gets supercharged. It becomes something with new dimensions that have never been seen and observed. The kind of love that Jesus did in loving his disciples and then told them to do for one another is something the bar had been raised. It was a love like they had never seen demonstrated so well as in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. In that sense, it is new. It goes beyond. In him, it was deepened. It was expanded. It was understood as never before. They didn't quite get it, what it was really all about, until Jesus came and showed us how. And furthermore, it really points to the real sacrificial love that was revealed in the life and death and resurrection of Christ. And that life, that death dealt a death blow 
to sin and darkness and brought its new shining light into the world. Remember when Jesus said what? I, in John 8, I am the light of the world. He came into the world bringing light and immortality, Paul says elsewhere, to light. He brought light and immortality to light. He, through the spotlight, flooded the world with a new light of his own glorious presence. A new understanding of what it meant to love and to love sacrificially one another. It was demonstrated by him. And when he died and rose again as a perfect illustration of what true love, the limits to which it will go, he destroyed death and began to banish darkness. I love some of the Christmas hymns that talk about that. I love that, uh, the, the hymn that you know, you've heard me quote from before, His Be the Victor's Name. It, it talks about bowed to the grave, destroyed it so, and death by dying slew. He put death to death by himself dying, but then rising again and bringing his light into the world. Darkness, whether you know it or not, and whether your friends and co-workers understand it or not, darkness is on the run, and it has been for the last 2,000 years. Oh, it's still got many pockets that are still in darkness. There are still many places still to reach, but oh, so many have already been flooded with the light of Christ, the light of the world. The light that Jesus brought into the world shines not only, though, here's the amazing thing, in him, not only is he the light of the world, but what John is saying here, it's not only in him, but it's in you as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. In a certain sense, he's the big light, you're the little light. That's what Martin Luther said. We're little lights, very small ones sometimes. But we are little lights, little reflections of the big reflection. You see, the coming of the light is already here. It's not just something that's promised in some long-off, distant, eschatological future. Oh, the light will be ultimately seen by all then. But it's already here. It's already penetrating into the dark crevices and cracks of this broken, sinful world. It's already coming to show and to not only show, but to put a light inside of us that we're supposed to be showing by giving to others and therefore assuring others that he's the true light. We have a role in that. So this love in one another that's being talked about in this passage is not only is it true of Jesus and in him, but it's been implanted in us by the life of Christ in us through the whole work of the Holy Spirit. He now lives inside. We don't have intel inside. We have Jesus inside. And his light is supposed to show up in a way that's tangible, that can be seen. And how is that? 
It's by the way that we love one another, John is telling us. So that's the command. But what about the contrast? What about the contrast? John now applies the sharp contrast between two things, light and darkness, and then to two moral categories, love and hate. Now, obviously, we're supposed to be, according to the command, loving one another. But what's the opposite of that? It's hate. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> Look at verse 9 through 11. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother and abides in the light, in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, interestingly, John does not define for us here hate, the moral parallel to darkness. He doesn't define it. He doesn't really define love except saying God is in one place. He says God is love. And, but he says we're to love one another. Because it's not a feeling, it's an action. We're not talking about feelings here, folks. We're talking about what we actually do. I can tell Louise I love her all day long. But if my actions don't ever back that up, and often they don't, but if, but if they never back that up, She's not going to be assured that I really love her. Just got to say the words. That's what John is talking about. He doesn't define hate here. Though the contract, the uh, context suggests that failure to love actively constitutes hate. See, these are, these, are, there's, these are huge polarities. When he's talking about light, darkness, he's not talking about, well, light and darkness are kind of, the kind of kiss and cut. No, no, no. Light, darkness. And we like to say, well, I, I want to find a middle, middle, middle ground. I want to, find, to have a little of this and a little of that. And, you know, it's all, no, 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 no. They are huge polarities, polar opposites. And you were either, in your actions, advancing one or the other. There's no place to say, well, I just kind of be in the middle. I kind of, kind of will, will, will try to love and hate. No. In every action, it's either advances love or hate. John doesn't have any surfy middle in his categories. You see, these are not terms of emotion, but of attitude and behavior towards others. Like, for instance, what might qualify as act, acts of hatred? Superiority. 
I'm better than you. I come from better people than you. Etc., etc. Smugness about what I know that you don't know. Things like jealousy. Instead of being for you and trying to advance you, I want to take you down. You're a threat, and I'm jealous. And I don't like you being above me. So I'll find some way. Maybe not even known to my own motives, but I'll find some way to bring you down so that I'd look better. But one of the forgiveness, the biggest is unforgiveness. Bitterness that is set in because of a wrong done. No, no doubt. You probably were. Sung a somebody done somebody wrong song and it was done to you. But you haven't let it go. You've let it fester until your heart is darkened and it's full of bitterness and pus. And you have not forgiven. And it's killing you from the inside out and you don't even know it. But others do. You can see it when that poison is in us. You see, it's not, hatred is not going around saying, I hate you. It's when we selfishly advance ourselves over others, putting our interest always in front and not being concerned for the interests of others. By the way, you say, well, Joe, do we have to, do we have to love everybody? I, I don't even like some people. Well, you know what? I don't either. <laughs> and you may not like me. It, that's not the point. Like is, is something that, you know, no, look, it's just natural. Some of you are going to gravitate towards certain kind of people, and you're going to enjoy being with them. If that means like, and other people, because they don't share, it's going to be harder. You may not spend as much time. You may not have as much natural affinity toward them. That's none of that, though, is what John is talking about. He's talking about a moral obligation to love in action. Not whether or not you enjoy these people more than others. Of course you're going to like some more than others. That's not the point. But are you going to, for the sake of your brother or sister in Christ, are you going to love in a sacrificial way? Are you going to do something that advances them and their cause and their interest rather than your own? Or is it always about you? Is it always about me? Too often it is for me. And probably for you too. You see, how we love or hate is an outward sign of where we belong, to the light or to the darkness. The story is told, though, on a more happy note, of how the light of Jesus can be shining in us by the power of the Holy Spirit and because of the gospel and what God has done in being the ultimate lover of our souls and how he now calls us to go do likewise to one another. The story is told of a, of a boy, young boy, teenage boy, that had decided to start going to church and he had somehow wound up in Chicago in D.L. Moody's church many, many generations ago. 
And he was going, but he had no way, and he had to walk a long, long way to Moody's church. And one day, another pastor saw him, walk, kept seeing him walking by, and uh, kind of stopped him and said, Hey, uh, young man, what, well, uh, 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 where are you going? Uh, you know, and he said, oh, I'm going to Mr. Moody's church. And he said, Well, that's a long, long way. Uh, you know, why don't you, why don't you think about maybe coming worshiping you know, at our church? And he said, he said, he said, why would you want to go so, so far? That's, a, that's an incredible, incredible long hike to get to Moody's church. And the boy said to the preacher, well, you see, sir, they just have a way of loving a fellow over there. They just have a way of loving a fellow like me. And, and, and I want to be around that. I want to be involved with that. And I can say with all sincerity and with all confidence, I am so grateful. I am so thankful to God that he has placed that love in the hearts of many of you. And I do see it in action over and over and over again. And many times in sacrificial ways. Many times of simple service that no one sees and no one knows about. But he does. And when others see that, and when they feel that, and they can sense that love, people know whether we love one another. And if we don't, they're out of here. But if they say, there's something about those people, something about those Christians, oh, they're a mess, they're all got a lot of things wrong with them, they're, they're not consistent, but man, do they love each other. Look at what they have done. I could, I could sit here and spend five, ten minutes telling you specific things that people in this church have done and love for one another and sacrifice. That tells me the light of God is in this place. And the darkness is being eclipsed. Now, there's still much to go. There's a long way to go. We're not home yet. But I know it's true. You see, that's what we were meant to show. Do you love God's people enough to serve them? Enough to pray for them? Enough to worship with them even if they don't have your same preferences in worship? Enough to forgive them even though they hurt you so badly. You see, if you have the light inside, the love will come out. The love for one another. And it will sacrifice. It will serve. It will surrender. You remember, John, what he said in that first verse that we read in our scripture reading, verse 7? How did he start it? Dear friends. Your translation, mine says, NIV says, or ESV says, beloved. And that's, a, that's both are good action, accurate translations. But the idea of dear friends. You know who else talked about dear friends? It was Jesus in John 15, 13, listen. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for 
his friends. Now that's all the love that you and I need. Amen? Father, we thank you that it is your love that caused you to lay down your life, Lord Jesus, for your friends. We who are your enemies, who deserve nothing and have no right and have done every wrong, and yet you laid down your life for us, that we the guilty might go free. Oh, Lord, we bless you. We, we thank you that that's all the love that we needed to be in right relationship with you, and you supplied it. We didn't do it. You did it. But now, Lord, you tell us to go and share it and give it to others that don't deserve it either, that haven't earned it, haven't kept it. But, Lord, to go and sacrificially love and serve and give others. Lord, thank you for the evidence that's here. Make there be so much more. Lord, scatter darkness increasingly in our hearts and lives, in this place, in our community, even to the ends of the world. Bring, shine, Jesus, shine. We pray in your name. Amen.